Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free impartial advice on all your debt. by the welterweight champion of the world, Errol Spence. Errol, you look in impeccable shape. Is this the best you've ever felt heading into a prize fight? Um, definitely. It's one of the best I've ever felt. I feel good. I'm ready, man. I'm ready to go. You see how I'm sweating now? I'm not dried out and look like I'm just struggling to make weight. I'm feeling good, man. For Danny Garcia, he's known to have power with his right hand. He demonstrated that being the only guy to stop Adrian Granados. The left hook put Amir Khan away nearly eight years ago. Is he the hardest puncher that you've ever faced in your career? Um, I don't know that yet. I'll see when I get in the ring December 5th. Good thing I'm not Adrian Granados or uh, Miracon. So let's talk about uh, stylistically when it comes to you going ahead and, and starting quick. Is that something that you want to go ahead and do and set the pace early on in the fight? I'm just going to fill them out. I don't know how the first round is going to go. Fill them out. If I can't press, I'm going to press. When you went through your trials and tribulations with the car accident, did you, when it happened, did you ever think you'd be able to get back to this level? Because when it happened, there was a lot of unknown and uncertainty surrounding you and your career. Uh, just like you said, it was a lot of uncertainty, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew that I was going to keep training, um, go to a Cleveland clinic and go to any facility I can go to and talk to the doctors and get all type of brain, scan, brain scans and body scans and just make sure I was 100% ready to get in the ring. You know, they gave me the okay. They said, you know, I'm good. I had no brain bleeding, anything. So now I'm just ready to go. And let's talk about the fact that during camp, you had uh, another child, I believe a newborn son and stuff. So what is that, three for you, Errol? Yes, sir, that's three. <laughs> How has that been like? I mean, the fact that you're training for Daddy Garcia and now you have a newborn baby boy. I mean, what was that like for you? Um, just a blessing, man. It's a blessing and his motivation. He pushes me and it just makes me work harder just seeing his face, seeing his face, you know, in my mind and just, you know, pushing me to work harder along with my two other daughters. So. I'm just working hard, man, stay 100% focused. Like I said, I want to give them a great future. I want to give my three kids a great future and make sure they have the best life and make sure I give them the best life. And the only, only way I can do that is train hard, stay focused, and do what I have to do December 5th to get this victory. What kind of statement do you want to make against Danny Garcia? I'm going to make an impact, impactful statement. I, I guarantee you it's going, to be, it's going to be highlights everywhere, all over social media all over TV channels and everything like that. I'm going to put on a great show, great performance, and I will get that W come December 5th. Assuming all goes according to plan, what do you want to tell Manny Pacquiao and Terrence Crawford? Line them up. Line them up. They already know who to talk to. They got one person to talk to is Al Heyman. They got one person to talk to, and we get this fight on the road. So they already know after I put on this great show come December 5th, whoever else in my way, let's get it. Errol, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We look forward to seeing you on December 5 on BBC Fox Sports Pay-Per-View.
Thank you, man down. Strife season. You know what time it is. <laughs> Errol, the truth, Spence Jr. joining us here. That'll conclude the workout here in Dallas. Thank you so much for joining us on the PBC on Fox YouTube page. Don't forget, join us during fight week and December 5, Errol Spence, Danny Swift Garcia for the welterweight championship of the world on PBC Fox Sports pay-per-view brought to you by Man Down Promotions, DSG Promotions, and TGB Promotions. So long from Dallas. Uh, don't Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free impartial advice on all your debt. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free impartial advice on all your debt. We're smashed to fourth place up. How are you feeling today? Feeling good, too. Feeling good. Ready, ready to go. Someone's head's getting taken off. Uh, lights shining a bit weird on your face. Yeah, have a look at the back of my head. Um, yeah, all good, ready to rumble. Ready to go, Coog, ready to go. You are a bit more serious than normal. Oh, listen, I ain't need a mess about. My face pain's been left at home. Eddie knows. Eddie knows what's gonna happen. Eddie, didn't you know? <laughs> um, weighed yourself today. Weighed myself today, light, nice and light. My weight ain't really bothering now. If I would have weighed in at what I weighed in at a week ago, but the weight's just naturally coming off. Um, feel f full of energy, feel sharp, feel fast. Feel surprisingly strong as well, if I'm honest with you. Like, I can't, just can't wait to get, get that, get over the line. And, Put on the performance I, I, it, I deserve. Does it feel like a different fight week? Yeah. My head's in a complete different space, Koo. My head's in a complete different space. Like, like so focused. Like, I just want to make make the most of everything that like I've worked so hard and sacrificed. I've sacrificed so much for this camp. Um, just really, really to wage full unholy war. So you've left no stone unturned, as they say, there'll be no, no stones excuses. unturned. He knows. He knows. He's half the man he used to be, isn't he? That picture really should be... <laughs> that picture should be replaced up there, because it doesn't look like I've the same people fire. for a long time that Tom Little can fight, but he's never been in shape. All these fights he took, Dubois, Hergovic, and, and by the way, those fights, I don't, I don't even think, no disrespect, the best no you wouldn't beat him. But what he can do, I think, he's got the ability to go and win British titles and etc. But he's never given himself the opportunity. The amount of texts I've got in the last three or four days going, you seen Tom Little? I'm sticking a few quid on him. I think he's gone from nine to one into six to one. William Hill, gamble responsibly. It's a great fight, it's a great fight. And I think, you know, um, Dillian, 
talking to Dillian about matching Alan Babbage, I swear they will fight anyone. But they know this is a real fight. The other fights that he's taken, even Shaundell Winters, Niall Kennedy, they never had any possible thought in their head that they could get beat. I think they've seen Tom Little this week and gone, okay. They still think their man's going to do the business, but they know it's a real fight. Do you know what Fink done? You know what Fort done? Fink done or Fort done? No, no. Fort, Fort thought it was a fart and then shit itself. So, listen, get that knockout bonus, friends. I can't believe how light it is. Oh, what did you say? I want that knockout, knockout bonus. Is there a knockout bonus? Well, I don't know. Let's, chat. let's talk, let's talk, let's talk, let's chat. Knockout let's chat. bonus. It's got to be sank in there. No um, extra incentive. If you knock out Alan Babbage, hmm, I don't just want to give you money. I've given you a lot of money. Do you know what I mean? I don't, what can I give you? <laughs> yeah. No, oh, listen. I'll leave it with I'll have, you. I'll have a think. I think we should. I, I've, I've actually been toying. You know how the UFC do like fight of the night and yeah. stuff like that. I've been toying with. You know, you know as well, you're in a bit of a different league. We've got two fights on this card, uh, the English Bantamweight title, but particularly Jez Smith against Ben Ridings, where literally, that was on Monday, we phoned around the matchmakers and went, is anyone out there that wants to have an all-out war on TV and he's looking for an opportunity? So those two put their names forward. I think it's fun on stuff like that to say, double your money, we're a knockout, or something like that. Well, it's not one saying you, by the way, because you're on a big win. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not regarded as a, a big puncher, heavyweight. You said to me, a punch like a nip. You know, the thing is, is the, the 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 question mark is what happens after three or four rounds when Alan Babich has thrown a kitchen sink at someone. Now, listen, he might be able to do another four rounds, in which case he's going to be really difficult to beat, or his tank might empty. But what Tom keeps saying is one thing, and doing it is another thing. I am not going to retreat to Alan Babbage. If you take the middle of the ring and actually, not necessarily stand and trade, but actually take the middle of the ring and don't let him push you back, the minute he's walking you down, it's what Niall Kennedy done. As soon as he went backwards onto the rope, and then you're there, whoom, whoom, you know. If you're actually not retreating to Alan Babbage, I want to know what happens. Ask Darren Barker. What happens, what happens if you don't retreat to Alan Babich and you just take the middle of the ring as a bigger man? Well, if you can put a dent in him, it could be a good tactic, but I think, personally, speed of foot is a key to beat. Would you box with the back foot? Or would... No, no, I would. I would hold the centre of the ring yeah. and say you're Babich, you take a little step forward. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am savage. <laughs> I'll step round, back to the centre of the ring, <laughs> you ain't gonna do you. <laughs> yeah, no, I was gonna say. Yeah, that's what I would do. Be smart with the feet. Mm. It's all uh, everything is at every possible angle. There's not a run of skipped. There's not a diet of dodged. There's not a session of not put 150 million percent into. Listen, I was ashamed of myself flying home from Saudi. Ashamed of the fat drip that I dragged myself all the way across the world for a few quid. Listen, money can't buy pride, and I'm, I let myself down. Top and bottom of it, I ain't got a Majidov. No, no disrespect to Alan, I think he's a brilliant fighter, but I think I'm better. 
and that's it. Listen, I know, I want to. I want to make sure. Well, it opened my eyes when I got home. My dad fell ill. Well, that man followed me up and down the country while I was a child to oh, for amateur boxing and whatever not. Good dinner. But, and I, and I threw everything up there, just acting like a clown. My face paints packed away. And I'm, listen, trust me. Trust and mark my words. Talk is cheap and money buys houses. But you listen. The proof's in the pudding. I would like to say, I've heard him talk like that in his last six fights, but this time I'm actually quite believing. Should do. Punch his face in. No, no, fuck Sorry, it. No, I'll fuck it. No, back no, 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 no. No, I'll just, I don't I want to stop. <laughs> no, listen. All seriousness aside, this is going to be the fight that people can finally say, Joe you know what? He grafted, he deserved that win. He deserved that win because he's paid his dues. And uh, let's be fair, I've paid me dues. I've took hard fights. I've made them harder on myself, yes. But listen, I'm here. And I'm ready to go, Cookie Boy. Ready to go. Not long to go now. Some little fancy time again. And, uh, Bless you, brother. He weren't up for that knockout bonus, so uh, to speak, was he? But I think if you. If you do anyway, I think... He's getting a contract drawn up for me, I know what he's on, he, you know, he wants more than just a little one-off payment. I know he wants, he wants a little brand, he wants Five a little brand. Five million deal. Six million cash up bonus. And I want... a rainbow-coloured horse. Thank you very much. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. This is Danny Flex and welcome to the latest edition of Seconds Out Flex Expectations, our weekly look ahead at boxing action of the weekend. For the people that haven't watched before, we're here every Thursday at 4.30pm. And this week I want to talk a little bit about the Matchroom Show on Saturday night, which is the main show in the UK, probably worldwide this weekend. Um, and it's topped by Conor Ben, um, welterweight, against Sebastian Formella, which should be Ben's biggest test so far as a pro. But not only that, it's an unexpected main event um, for the young fighter in that this card was originally supposed to be topped at Wembley Arena by the highly anticipated rematch between Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin. Unfortunately for White and for Povetkin, um, the latter tested positive for COVID-19, ended up actually hospitalised with it, um, and that fight's now been delayed until January. So instead of scrapping the card, um, Sky Sports and Matchroom, thankfully, only downgraded it from a box office show to a regular Sky Sports um, show and kept most of the undercard and promoted Conor Ben versus Sebastian Formella to the main event. And we'll talk about that fight in due course, but I want to talk a little bit about Conor Ben specifically um, in that this is one of his first main events where he will be the main name on the card. And it's kind of a, a culmination of a long period where he's learned on the job as a pro and finally, people are starting to take him seriously as a potential British champion and beyond that as well. That's a very interesting fight. Um, 
Formella has been in with Sean Porter um, in his last fight in the US only a few months ago. So he hasn't been out of the ring for as long as Conor Ben. Lost every round against Porter. I interviewed him earlier in the week, Formella. Um, and he's pretty self-effacing. You know, he's happy to say he learned a lot in there, but he didn't win a round. Um, but lasted 12 rounds against an aggressive, persistent, world-class fighter. Um, former world champion, of course, in Sean Porter. Um, and certainly better than anyone Conor Ben's faced. Significantly better than anyone Conor Ben's faced so far as a pro. But Conor Ben is an evolving fighter. He's been working with Tony Sims since turning pro. And he certainly added a lot more guile and ring IQ to his raw physical talents. You know, he's fast, he's powerful, um, but his footwork's improved, his upper body movement's improved. And he certainly knows when to step on the pace and when to step back a lot better than he used to. And I think a lot of that's testament to his dedication. A lot of people criticise Conor Ben for being born with the proverbial silver spoon in his mouth. Now, I understand that to an extent. His father is, of course, the legend Nigel Benn, um, former multi-time champion, uh, rich by the time he finished his boxing career and still wealthy now, of course. But I think that kind of misses the point a little bit. I think it's a double-edged sword in that, yes, um, that does give you certain advantages. The Ben name opens doors. The money certainly helps. But on the flip side, A, you've got to live up to expectations that aren't necessarily fair because of who your father was. And B, to dedicate yourself to not just moving from um, Australia, where he was living a, a lovely lifestyle before, to come over here and train hard under Tony Sims, where he doesn't really know anyone in this country apart from his dad, who's not always here, um, and work that hard. That says a lot about him. But also to give up what could have been a comfortable upbringing, doing pretty much any job he was qualified for because he had that backing behind him, and giving it up to dedicate yourself to a hard, unforgiving sport like boxing. I think that deserves a huge amount of credit. A lot of people say that poverty breeds hunger, not literal, although it does, um, but that poverty makes you strive for success because you never want to go back to, you know, the, the paltry um, rewards, if you like, of your upbringing. But the flip side of that is that for someone like Conor Ben, who didn't need to do that, he sacrificed the um, privilege that he had as a kid and decided, made a decision. He didn't, he's not fighting because he has to. He's fighting because he wants to, because he wants to achieve something in boxing, because he loves the sport. And in some ways, that maybe takes even more dedication to give up um, an easier lifestyle and put yourself through the mill than it does to do it because it's your only choice. So I think a lot of the criticism is unfair. And I know from talking to him in the past, that a lot of that um, criticism on social media did upset him in the past. I think he, he doesn't go on it as much now and he learns to take, take it more as banter. I think he's grown in the last few years as a person as well. He's a lot more mature. He's in a serious relationship. His missus um, is now, I think, quite heavily pregnant by this point with their first child, which I know he's very much looking forward to the birth of. Um, and just as a, he's learned to look at the bigger picture now and focus on his own development, not so much on what people are saying about him. Um, and Formella is the latest step in that. Um, but I've always found him a great guy and a great interview as well. He very much wears his heart on his sleeve. You don't get much bullshit with him, you know. He says what he feels. He doesn't care what, how people judge him for it as much as he used to. And I admire that about him. You know, I wish we could all be a bit more like that. Um, you know, he didn't even start boxing properly. Obviously, he messed about with his dad, but he didn't start boxing properly until he was 16 years old. Um, had his first amateur fight at 16 or 17 um, in Australia after the family had moved there from Spain. He spent most of his upbringing in Spain um, at a villa over there. And then apparently his dad still got a six-bedroom mansion now in Australia where he could just sit and chill if he so chose. 
Um, he only had, I think, 20 amateur fights, of which he won 18. So as he turned pro, he is very much, as I said earlier, learning on the job. And there's clearly improvement in him in his last few fights from the guy that struggled very much so in the first fight with Cedric Pano, which a lot of people felt he was lucky to come out with a draw. I think it was a draw. <laughs> Double check that, but I'm pretty sure it was a draw and he didn't lose. Uh, he didn't win, sorry. Um, but he is unbeaten. Uh, but either way, he struggled a great deal in that fight and didn't seem to know when to step off and box and take breathers. Um, he showed by outpointing Pano in the rematch and clearly outpointing, there was no controversy about that result, that he'd grown already. Um, and it, he suffered in between, I believe, a, a really bad hand injury as well. So in the short time he's been a pro, I think he's had a broken jaw. He's ripped tendons or ligaments in his hand um, and had to have an operation on that. So it's not been an easy ride for Conor Ben, it's fair to say. Um, but since then, he's going up against a gradually improving level of opposition, judged pretty well, I would say, um, by Matchroom and by Tony Sims. Um, stalwarts of the game, of course, they know what they're doing, particularly Tony, who I think is an excellent and an underrated still trainer. Um, and against a gradually improving level of opposition, he's starting to get people out of there. I don't think that's because he's suddenly found power. I think he's always had that. But now it's more about knowing when to use the power at the right times, knowing that not every shot has to be a big swinging, loaded up blow. And I think that that timing, um, that sense of angles and, and body punching as well to tire your opponent out early, that, that's all improved. And I think because of who he is and the criticism he's got in the past, maybe he doesn't get um, singled out for these accolades. But I think he's one of the most improved boxers in the country. Um, now I've said that, it's the old um, pundit's curse. He'll probably lose at the weekend. Hopefully not for his sake. But I genuinely believe he's much improved. I think Formella's very good fighter, does all the basics well, had a long amateur career. So um, different from Conor Ben in that sense. And I think he will give Ben problems. As, as Ben himself admitted in the conference call earlier this week, if he gave Sean Porter a hard night, and he did in terms of being durable, it wasn't competitive necessarily, then he'll definitely give me a hard night. And I think that's true. I think it's a hell of a statement from Conor Ben if he beats him clearly on points. I don't think he needs to stop him or knock him out to make a statement, although, you know, he'll want to do that. Um, but I just think this marks a, a stepping, uh, sorry, a, a, a change, I think, perhaps, in how Conor Ben is viewed by the wider boxing community in that he is a main eventer in his own right. I'm sure the names helped him get to where he is now, but at this point, they felt comfortable going ahead with the Sky Sports show, with him at the top of it, even once White Povetkin was ruled out, they didn't put, you know, Babich Little as the main event. I know that might have been crazy to people because of the few fights that Babich has had, but it is an attraction and probably the fight on the bill. Apologies to Connor and Fabio Wardley and everyone else that I'm most looking forward to. But they were confident that he could still draw in the viewers. They were confident in matching him with Formella, who is clearly the, the best opponent he's fought as a pro so far. Um... And probably better than some of the fighters that some of his domestic rivals have fought so far as well. You know, I'd have to look into the, the records of everyone, but I'm sure there's people that are rated above Conor Ben currently that haven't fought an opponent as, as qualified as Formella just yet. So I think it's time to take him seriously and, and not always associate him with his father. I think he'll have to go a long way to prove he's better than his father or to accomplish more than he accomplished. I think that's a distant dream and, and a very unlikely one, an improbable one. Um, but let's just judge him on his, on his own merits now. I think, you know, Formella is the latest step in that journey. I think he could go on from there. He still wants to fight for the British title. Although Chris Jenkins is defending that next. Um, he's already got a fight lined up, so that won't happen until at least next year. 
Um, but then if he does get past Paul Miller in good fashion, maybe European title challenge um, against the winner of David Avanesian and Josh Kelly is not out of the question. I would have laughed. I probably did laugh um, six months ago, even when um, Connor Bent and Josh Kelly was first muted. Um, but now, and, and they haven't fought since to, to kind of change that view. But I just think the way Ben talks, the way he's preparing, his general demeanour suggests someone who's now a professional, who's taking his sport very seriously. You know, it's not a hobby. It's not something to prove to people that he's more than just Nigel Ben's son. Now he's doing it for himself and for his family, which is about to expand. And I think we need to take that seriously. It might still be a bit too soon for the Kelly Avanesian winner. But if he's brought along at the right pace, which, you know, Sims and Matchroom have shown they're capable of doing, there's no reason why he can't at least challenge for a world title eventually. Still very young. Still inexperienced. But I think something inside him has changed. And I think as a, as a boxing community, perhaps our perceptions of him need to change along with them. Um, rest of the card... Tom Little, Alan Babich. I've been really impressed by Tom Little. He's, he's almost convinced me um, that, that he's going he's gonna to win the fight. I'm not predicting he's going to win just yet, but we'll see the shape of him on the scales. Apparently, he looks a lot different from how he has in the past. Um, having spoken to him as well, the video um, of the interview with Tom Little will go live before this vlog, so hopefully you'll have seen it before you watch this. He's incredibly motivated, and he'll, he'll explain. he explains in the video the reasons why, and your heart goes out to him and it's hard. He's, he's a very endearing guy, as though he's huge and would crush me pretty easily. But, well, just easily, not pretty easily. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a cool guy and I'd, I'd like him to, to get a bit of luck in his career. You know, he's been in with some real tough guys in recent times. Fights that maybe in hindsight he shouldn't have taken, although he disputes that because of the experience he's given him. But now he's fighting more around what should be his level. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Babich. Does what he says on the tin. You know, he's non-stop from the first bell. Comes to bring entertainment. But surely opens being outboxed and, you know, hurt on the way in. So let's see. Not at the waiting. <laughs> on the way in. Um, so let's wait and see what happens with that. Um, Fabio Wardley gets Richard Larty. I expect Wardley to look great in this fight. Um, I expect him to outbox Larty relatively comfortably in a similar way to Nathan Gorman. But with a bit more pop and a bit more venom um, and ruthlessness if he has Larty hurt at any point. So I'm hoping for a stoppage in that one and, and expect to see one. And also um, Liam Davis against Sean Cairns should be quite an entertaining fight for the English bantamweight title. Not to mention at short notice, uh, Jez Smith, um, real warrior, who I interviewed earlier in the week, going up against Ben Ridings, um, who was ruled out of um, Ultimate Boxer, or Boxer as it's now called, sorry, not too long ago after a positive COVID test. He now gets another chance on TV so that one will be worth watching also. Let me know what you think about Conor Ben specifically in the comments below. Um, and I'll respond to some of them. You know, is it time we started taking him seriously? Or do you still see him as an overhyped fighter on the basis of who his father was? Be interesting to know and what your rationale is. I'll be back on Monday for Reflections, 4.30pm, talking about the show um, in hindsight. I might even do a show review on or Joe Lee and I might do some fight reviews on Saturday night. We haven't decided yet, so keep a lookout. Um, and I'll be back with the next Flex Expectations next Thursday at 4.30pm. We'll be looking ahead to probably the most anticipated all-domestic clash of the year between Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce. Really appreciate your time, as always, and I'll see you all soon. Cheers. <laughs>
This is Rob Turbot for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. Delighted, as always, to be joined by Tony Sims. We're in the bowl this week ahead of Connor Bent versus Sebastian Formella. How are you, Tony? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Rob. You? All good, mate. All good. Very well. Um, nice to see you. Nice to be in the bubble. Uh, first time for me. Um, and I'm very glad to be covering a show that involves one of your fighters as the headline event. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're very welcome. So, let's get the usual pleasantries out of the way. Connor Ben, how has his camp been for this fight? Yeah, he's had a good camp. You know, he's trained all through lockdown anyway. And um, we were waiting for a date. We got this date and um, he's in great condition mentally and physically. Talk to us about the opponent, obviously Sebastian Formella. We've heard once or twice this week that he boxed Sean Porter, apparently. Um, another win that stands out in his resume, Talani Mbenge. Very capable fighter himself, won by, uh, via knockout over Miguel Vasquez. How difficult a fight is this and how big of a step up is this compared to the, the opposition Connor's been facing in the past? Yeah, you know, he, uh, as you say, he's got a couple of really good wins on his record, like the South African. The, um, that was a great win for him from the IBO World Weight title. Because when you look at who the South African beat previous to that, he, uh, he stopped Miguel Vasquez who, as we know on our shores, is a very hard man to stop. And, it, you know, it was a good stoppage. He'd done him a body shot. So, you know, he had that great win and uh, he defended the IBO title as well. And, you know, obviously his last fight, as you say, he lost to Sean Porter on points, but he had a good, you know, he had a good go at him. And uh, it was his first fight in the States. And, uh, you know, he's a very capable fighter. He's smart. He's good, good footwork. He's a clever fighter. So, you know, uh, and he's ranked in the top 20 in the world. So, you know, Conor Ben's got his hand full on Saturday night. Obviously, came into this fight, wasn't initially going to be the headline event after Alexander Povetkin had to withdraw from his fight with Dillian White. He now is the headline event on Saturday night. Great opportunity for him to, to really shine. Yeah, you know, it's always good to, for him to headline an event, especially at this stage of his career now and this type of fight. As you say, he was chief support before and now he's moved to an headliner. So... You know, there's always a lot of publicity around Conor Ben. You know, obviously because of his dad, he's uh, you know he's got that name behind him, the Ben name, and um, you know he's an exciting fighter, and, uh, and and we're looking forward to the fight on Saturday night. How much has been said about Conor's development? You know him better than anybody. How much is he improved from the Conor Ben who first walked through the gym doors? Well. You know, he was only 19 years old when he came through the doors with like an handful of amateur fights. So um, he's very raw, but I saw a bit of natural ability in him. You know, he's got that athleticism about him. And, uh, you know, obviously he's got his dad's uh, power in both hands. And uh, from then until now, like five years later, you know, with the sparring he's had and the training in the gym, you know, he's massively improved. And he was supposed to fight Chris Jenkins as he was mandatory for the British title. And um, obviously that didn't materialise. So he was asking us, uh, me and Eddie, for, a, you know, a world-level fight. That's what he wanted to fight. He wanted a world-level fighter. And I said to Eddie, he's ready to go. He's ready to be let off the leash. And, you know, and see if he is world-class, which I believe he is, what I've seen in the gym. He, he's just got to show that on the night. He's got, he's got a very good opponent, you know, who will fancy the fight himself. And uh, as I say, I'm looking forward to a Saturday night for Conor Ben to um, show what he's really all about. 
I mentioned that Chris Jenkins fight, and it's been something that's been rumoured and talked about for a long time for Connor. Now he's taken this fight, and I know Adrian Granados was a name that was kind of floating around. Does that say that he's kind of done with British level now? He'll, no, he'll not be going back after this weekend, provided he's successful? Provided he's successful, you know, he, once you step up into world level, you don't really want to come back to the domestic scene. Uh, it would have been nice to win the British and Commonwealth titles. You know, uh, he obviously wanted to do that, and uh, unfortunately, it just never materialised. And now we've moved, you know, a lot forward. We've moved over domestic scene, we've moved over European scene into the world scene. And, uh, you know, Formel is ranked number one in Germany. He's a good fighter, you know, and, uh, you know, Conor Brin's got to bring his A game to win on the night, but I believe he can win, you know, and I believe in his ability, his dedication to the sport. You know, what he sacrificed, leaving his family behind to be over here on his own. You know, that's not an easy thing, what he's done. And, uh, you know, I believe with that sacrifice and dedication that he's got, he'll, he'll come through and he'll win in style on Saturday night. Now, when we've spoken about Conor Ben in the past, it's always been, you know, sometimes he'll say, well, I need to really work on my boxing. Sometimes he needs to, you know, be what he is, which is an explosive puncher and a come-forward fighter. Having watched Sebastian Formella, it seems to me that Conor Ben, the destroyer, is the type of fighter that we need to see on Saturday night. Do you think that's a fair comment? Yeah, you know, obviously, he's worked on his defence a lot. He's worked on his jab a lot. He's got a great IQ in the ring, you know, and... Um, as I say, he's, you know, he's trained for an hard fight Saturday night. You know, everyone wants to see the son of Nigel Ben fight like Nigel Ben. But I believe Conor Ben's got a lot more to his armoury than just, you know, walking in and knock everyone out, even though that's a great thing to do. But I think he's a smart fighter as well as a puncher. And Saturday night we're gonna, you know, we're gonna see what he's all about and I believe that he's gonna come away victorious Saturday. And, uh, and winning style. Before we move on, I uh, touched upon this earlier in another interview. I always really like seeing you and Darren Barker bump into each other. It's one of those like it's one of those things that you can't really explain unless you kind of see it. I mean, you don't see each other all the time now. Obviously, you speak to each other a lot, but seeing you face to face in an enclosed space like the bubble, it, it warms my cockles, Tony. <laughs> yeah, me and you know me and Darren had a, a great run together. You know, British Commonwealth, two European titles, and finally the IBF World title in Atlantic City. And uh, he went for a massive journey together. You know, if you ain't read his book, then, you know, read the book. It's a, it's a, it was a great journey, and um, it's always great to see Darren. You know, we speak on the phone every week, believe it or not, but um, it's nice to see him, as you say, at events like this. It's nice to see him involved in the boxing world still. Because he loves boxing, you know, and it's nice to see that he, he works in it and then we're, we're able to uh, bump into each other. You know, he comes from a lovely family and uh, every now and then, you know, I'll, I'll message Terry or Terry will message me, his dad, and they're, they're a beautiful family. And um, as you say, it's great seeing him and uh, he beat me in the table tennis earlier, but I, I'll beat him in the darts, so we're sort of one all there. <laughs> Moving away from one of your ex-fighters to one of your current fighters, John Ryder. Now, obviously, we had Canelo and Callum Smith announced 48 hours ago. Darren Barker, talk of the devil, and he shall appear. Um, where are we with John Ryder at the minute? So, John Ryder, he's looking like he's going to do a 10-rounder out in the States. Um, Eddie said to me it's either going to be on the undercard of the Canelo-Smith bill or on the undercard of Golovkin bill, he's going to let me know, but... You know, John will be ready for that fight. And uh, obviously, 
if, if he can't get someone that's viable for him there, he, he might go on the Joshua undercard on the 12th. So I'm just sort of waiting to see. I should, but we should know by next week. But he's been training for December anyway. So we should know by next week uh, who he's fighting and where he's fighting. But definitely December for John. You know, get back in there, uh, get a 10 rounder under his belt and then get yourself back into position to challenge for a world title again. Now, with Canelo boxing Callum Smith for the WBA Super World Super Middleweight title, um, as I understand it, the WBA regular title that Canelo had at um, Super Middleweight will now become vacant and John could potentially be in line to fight for that. Exactly, you know, and that's the position he's got to get himself back into. No one's going to give John a freebie at their world title. You know, he's got to get himself back into position again and uh, he, he believes, like, aside from Canelo, he's the number one super middleweight in the world. You know, I would say... Like 95% of people had John winning the fight against Callum Smith, you know, and uh, he just needs to get back into position again. Like, like, I wish Callum Smith all the best against Canelo, and as a fellow Brit, I want to see him win, obviously. You know, Callum comes from a great family, great fighting family. You know, I respect them all, especially his dad, Paul, as well. I respect them, good people, and like, I'd love to see him win on the night, you know. Um, but obviously, Canelo, we're talking about a pound for pound best in the world in my eyes and you know it's, a, it's it's an hard one for him to come away for a victory there but listen I wish him all the best and uh, our aim mine and John Ryder's aim is to get John back into position to challenge for that title again. You mentioned 95% uh, of people had uh, John Ryder beating Callum Smith I was part of that 95% um, is it difficult now to see Callum moving on to go to box Canelo Alvarez the big meal ticket the golden ticket in boxing on the back of what is a highly controversial decision over John Ryder? You know, styles make fights, you know, and uh, Callum's, a, you know, he's a good fighter. You know, he's like six foot four, you know, he's, he can punch and he's a good fighter, Callum, you know, so, you know, he's got a chance of anyone in the world, but I said, as I said earlier, unfortunately, he's fighting the pound for pound king, you know, and he's, there's a reason why he's the pound for pound king. We see him move up to light heavyweight and see what he's done to Kovalev, so, Size difference don't mean a lot to Canelo. You know, he's, he's a great fighter to watch. I was at the um, Danny Jacobs fight. I thought Danny Jacobs is obviously John fought on the undercard. And uh, just watching him live, he's special. You know, he's hard to hit and just speed of punch and accuracy and his slipping movement, his rolling. He's, he's just a beautiful fighter to watch, you know. And, uh, you know, as I say, I wish Callum all the best. Before I let you go, let's touch upon the rest of your stable, growing stable or big stable that you've got. Um, I'm going to ask you a very generic rundown. What have you got going on inside the gym at the minute? So Ted Cheeseman has just been nominated to fight JJ Metcalf for the vacant super welterweight title as Scott Fitzgerald vacated it. So purse bids for that go out December the 9th. That, that's a barnstormer of a fight. You know, that'd be a great fight. JJ Metcalf is a very, very good fighter, unbeaten. So that would be a great fight, and Ted's always involved in them sort of fights where you know it's going to be a great fight to watch on TV. You know, Ted versus JJ Metcalf, it's another unbelievable fight. I think you're going to see a fight, another fight of the year contender, maybe like the Egerton fight, you know, and uh, that would be a great fight for the, the fans to watch. And then Felix Cash is obviously mandatory for Denzel Bentley. Felix got the Commonwealth title. And, Denzel Ben has got the British title, so that's another great fight. 
Uh, I spoke to Robert Smith, I think they're looking to do Persbys in January for that fight, so that's another great fight from, from my stable. And then we've got Joe Caldina's coming off his hand operation in July. He's back punching and we, we look forward to getting Joe back out around the February time. Martin J. Ward, I believe, is going to be nominated for the IBF final eliminator for Jojo Diaz. So I'm just waiting for dates and opponents for him to fight. And uh, that's, about, that's about it at the minute. <laughs> I'm sure something else will come to you after that and we can pick it up again tomorrow. But yeah, always a pleasure catching up with you, Tony. I'm going to let you go and have a well-deserved dinner yeah. and I will catch up with you tomorrow. But as always, thanks very much for speaking to Boxing Social. And I'll catch up with you soon. Lovely. And uh, don't forget to follow my Instagram page. Uh, it's at Tony Sims. It's pretty new, but um, get on that and give me a follow. Get following at Tony Sims on Instagram. Always a pleasure, Tony. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks, Rob. God bless, mate. Um, it's Danny yeah, Clexton here for Seconds Out former two-weight world champion, David Hay. David, how are you? Not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. It was all right. So someone Sorry. Kicked my, <laughs> I kicked my back up at me. Yeah, not bad. All's well, mate. All's well. The, the perils of interviews in the new normal. <laughs> that is, I um, so I wanted to ask you, there's a big heavyweight night coming up next week on BT Sport, of course. Um, starting with the probably the most highly anticipated all-British fight this year. I know there hasn't been a lot of competition because of the pandemic, but it's still a highly anticipated fight between Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce. And I just wanted to get your take on it. And, and does it compare to any of the fights you had in your career? Is there anything, maybe the Macronelli fight, for example? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's probably as close to the Macronelli fight because me and Macronelli, although we were both contesting for world, world titles, the WBC, WBA, and unifying with his WBO title, um, we were both, as far as the public scene, we were both kind of on a very similar level and it was a 50-50 fight. That's how it was portrayed to the fans and to the, through the media. And I think this is this is similar. You know, we, we sold out the O2 Arena. This fight sold the O2 Arena out twice. You know, so that shows their, um, their, both their pulling power, both of their pulling power that, you know, at this sort of British Commonwealth and European level, they're doing world championship numbers in terms of ticket sales. But... Obviously, with the, with the pandemic being what it is, and and venues um, not allowed to host fans sitting in seats, it's um, it's an unfortunate thing for the for the boxing fans. But that would be uh, everybody knows that fight was going to be, you know, you know the atmosphere would be insane. It would be completely if you be a cauldron in there. Both fighters let their hands go. Neither fighter has ever tried to stink out the joint. They both. They both let. They, they both got ultimate confidence. Both the teams. I like what I'm hearing from both of their teams because it's supreme confidence. Both fighters, and they and they've they've taken this fight for a fraction of the money they potentially could have done if they were the type of fighters to leave it a year and a half, two years down the line, wait for one to maybe win the title. But these both of these fighters are not about that. They're about you know wanting to prove. It's about bragging rights. The the two, the one and two. On the planet, you know Joshua and Fury. You know they're they're in, they're the title they're the title holders. 
you know, but you've got this big space beneath that. You had Dylan White getting knocked out, you know, um, a few weeks a few weeks ago. That's that messed things up, you know. You had Chisora putting forth a great effort against uh, Usyk. Um, so underneath that, you know, these these two are the the next big things. These are the guys who you would anticipate challenging and potentially winning these big world title fights. There, you know, Dubois particularly his age, twenty three years old, not foot wrong. But then on the other hand, you got Joyce, who's 35. He really needs to let let his hands go. He really needs to show the world what he's got very, very fast. Dubois can take his time. Dubois could theoretically take two or three years out and, you know, do what he wants. And, and there will be no effect in his career. But Joyce, I believe the pressure in this fight is on Joyce's shoulders as he's the Olympic uh, silver slash, slash gold medalist, depending how you that, that that final but he's he's done it, you know. European uh, Commonwealth gold medalist, you know. He's you know world championship bronze medalist. He's done it all as an amateur. He's he's, he's been in there, the WSB fighting good quality opposition, and he's conditioned his season now. He's fought the the former world champion, you know, Bermain Stavern, and, and and beat the life out of him. It was it was it was, it was sickening to watch. It really was. Bludgeoning him. It was it was. I remember watching it, thinking, at what stage is the referee just gonna? It was almost as though Joyce was was purposely prolonging the beating. Yeah, it, it was. It's quite. It was. It was quite unsettling. I'd like to just take take someone out real quick, but he really wanted to punish him um, over the round. So he he's got the experience. The Jennings fight I thought was a brilliant fight for him. You know, a fight against a live opponent, a, a tricky guy who um, that left hook to the body in the first round that that seemed to the wind uh, Joyce yeah. was is. Um, uh, Dubois' money punch for me I think his left hook to the body is his best punch and the fact that Joyce got hurt with it will, will definitely make sure will definitely make him condition his, his condition his core get that you know get that right hand down get the right elbow down so he's not susceptible to that one to that big shot that Dubois throws that he got hurt with in his last you know in his last fight or the fight before last when he when he when he went out to arena against uh, um, uh, Jennings, so I, I I see the experience fully coming on Joyce's side, but then the youth the youth factor can't be ignored. A twenty three year old man, you know, he reminds you kind of a Mike Tyson where he's just peaked really early, and he's just that guy who can just let his hands go. And every time we've stepped him up in level. He's risen. The only guy to go to distance, I was ringside for that one when he fought Kingpin uh, Johnson. And Johnson wasn't really mixing it up. He was there to survive. He's a, he's a seasoned old veteran, been there, done it. Vitaly Klitschko, he's been in there. He's been in with, with all of them and he knows how to look after himself. And I think the only person to really blast him out was Anthony Joshua. And I think he was having a go against that Joshua fight. But that just shows... The, the experience, the experienced man can creep the way through it, but anyone who's tried to win against Dubois have got knocked out. And I just, I, I just think the power is there from Dubois to take anyone, any, any heavyweight out, and that includes Tyson Fury, that includes Anthony Joshua. If if someone allows this young man with so much youth and so much vigor to just unload, he's going to get you out of there. So it's all about can, can you negate those early onslaughts from Dubois. I think Joyce has shown in the past he can and he's shown in the past he can't. His last fight, I was really underwhelmed against Wallish, the way he was eating those right hands. And I said that after the fight, I didn't like his weight. I didn't like the fact he, he was 
you know, a stone, more than a stone over what he should have ideally been weighing. Everybody understands we had the lockdown, we've had the pandemic, you're not allowed to go to the gym. But still, if you're a professional athlete, you need to live a professional lifestyle. So um, I think that he, he would have watched his last performance, him and his coach, Ismael Salah, Steve Broughton, they would have watched that and thought, you got the win, but it wasn't about the win. We all knew he was going to win. That should have been a preparation for Dubois. You should have come in and worked on what we're going to work on for Dubois and just implement it. He he didn't. He just he just got the win. How he'd get the win as an amateur? Just walk out there. Just be, just use his physical advantages. But his physical advantages could could get him in trouble here if he just tries to walk down someone as as heavy-handed as Dubois. So it. No, although I, I I lean towards Joyce with the experience and with the um, um, with the sort of the long range boxing ability, which I've seen him use in the past against Ustinov, I thought he was brilliant. Yeah. I really thought he, he, he boxed at long range to jab. That was when he was working with Adam Booth. Yeah, he was really getting those like long range jab. But in his last fight, I didn't see any of those jabs. <laughs> at all. I just saw him walk forward. So we need to. So I definitely think we need to. Um, we need to see what's happening behind the scenes. We need to get into the camp. We need to talk, hear, hear what their coaches are saying, what the game plans are. But it's, it's a very, very intriguing fight that, you know, if I had a gun to my head, I would go with a guy with a more experience. But I wouldn't be surprised if Dubois was to show us something he hasn't shown before against this calibre of opposition. And he puts those shots together. The left hook to the body. Remember I said that is his favourite, is, is for me his biggest weapon. Everyone looks at the big right hand down the pipe, but the left hook to the body is an absolute peach. And I think it's the best. There's not many people who throw a left hook to the body in world boxing like, like um, Dubois does. Now, you worked with Joyce for a long period at the start of his professional career. But would you say Dubois is more in line with your style than Joyce? Um, not necessarily. Not necessarily, no. Um, Dubois, just rock, Dubois just has a rock-solid style. It's kind of a textbook style. Neat, tidy gets his head off the line, jabs tidy. He's just got, he's got a, he, he doesn't sort of, he doesn't bounce around. He doesn't have a low left guy. He he's, not, he's not trying to show us any flair. He's just getting the job done and clean in clinical fashion. That's just what he does. He marches you down, uses that jab, breaks the body down, slows you up and just puts the intensity on you. You know, I've never, that's not really been my, that's not really, for me as a boxer, that's never really been my style. I'm more of a counter puncher. Um, and when Israel Salas came in to train Joe Joyce for his early few fights, we tried to loosen up. We know he can walk forward and throw left and rights like a machine. We've seen him do it his whole amateur career. But you know, but I, I, I know I've seen some real good long-range boxing ability. He's got good reflexes. He's explosive. He can stand there and do a backflip. You know, <laughs> he's very, very explosive. So he was trying to bring some of that explosivity into his punches because he was kind of very, very much an arm puncher, just left, right, left, right. But when he was moving, he was he showed some flair. He was working with the, a Cuban Olympic you know, legend, legendary coach, Ismael Salas. And he, and he really started getting off. His head was moving. He was slipping and sliding. And I could see some real nice progression. If he gets back to that type of flavor, like he was doing, he's brought Ismael Salas back into camp. And, you know, he's a great tactician. He understands, you know, how to break different fights down and what styles to implement. I definitely feel... You know, Joe will will not be walking onto to big right hands just for the sake of it. But if he gets caught clip with a shot, everybody reverts back to type. And if if the bar is able to catch him clean early and cold, and Joyce is able to weather the storm, it will be a toe to toe slugfest from straight away. Because Joe's um, the defense is offense. 
you know, a lot of the time when he gets hit, instead of thinking to himself, oh, I got hit with that shot, next time I'm going to block it, or I'm going to roll, he just thinks, destroy and just walks forward, just go, just go forward. And for us fans, it's fantastic. But, you know, in terms of longevity and taking fewer concussive punches, you know, when he gets clipped, he just, he's all about the seek and destroy. Michelle Joy Phelps, and I'm joined now with David Hay. David, big fight next weekend, November the 28th on BT Sports Box Office. We have the heavyweight showdown between Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce. Now, you said that there were more question marks with Dubois than there were with Joyce. Can you elaborate a bit on that, please? Okay, as amateurs, you know, Dubois was national champion. He won some junior championships, five national junior championships. I mean, he's ABA champion, um, a few uh, internationals, but nothing that extensive. Um, whereas Joe Joyce, he was the Commonwealth gold medalist, European gold medalist. He got a bronze medal at the World Championships and a, and a controversial silver medal at the Rio 2016 Olympics. So who he also boxed in the WSB as well, World Series of Boxing, where he fought the likes of Alexander Usyk and has consistently, as an amateur, fought the very best Russians, Cubans, Americans, you know, Ukrainians. He's, he's, he's fought and got a very, very good record against the uh, elite international amateurs as an amateur and as like, a semi-professional in the World Series of Boxing. So... I believe the question, mark, question marks about Joe Joyce have been answered as an amateur. The question marks about Dubois, I'm unsure how he would have done at the Olympics. Maybe he would have gotten a goal. Maybe, I don't, but we don't know. I don't know how he would have done in the European Championship. We don't know how he would have done uh, as an international elite senior amateur. So the question marks about the, the question marks there, the two professional records, if you look through, if you scrutinise um, Dubois' record, you see... The only big name who, could, who came to really ask questions was Nathan Gorman. Um, and he was dispatched in real good fashion. He went out there and just blasted him out of there, took him out, showed his power. And that for me was like, this kid's got that, that special something, that he's got the equalizer. And that was nice to see. Joyce, on the other hand, he's, he's, he's been in the Vermain Stavern, former you know, um, heavyweight champion. The guy went 12 rounds with... Uh, Deontay Wilder, so great granite chin, tough guy, but Joe Joyce was able to bludgeon him out of there at the O2 Arena. I was, I was watching that fight through my hands. It was horrible to see a man getting beaten that that conclusively. It was it was it was, it was almost as though Joe Joyce was dragging out and beating like like there was some real beef he had with Bermain Stavern because mm-hmm. it was really just slow cooking him throughout that that contest. And it was, it, was, it was horrible. I've never seen so many unanswered punches from a former heavyweight champion. It was, it was horrible to see. But he then fought Ustinov as well. Ustinov, I thought that was a good show. And his fight against Bryant Jennings, you know, a 12-round, a 10-round, 12-round fight where he showed me, you know, at world level, 
after getting hurt with a body shot early, left up to the body he received. He really felt that, but he was able to regroup and come back and build a, uh, a nice points victory. Mm-hmm. So, it's, you know, there was no question marks really around Joe Joyce's credentials. The question marks there with Dubois. And question marks don't mean Dubois can't do it. It just means mm-hmm. I haven't seen him do it. I, was, I worked with Joe Joyce earlier in his, in, in his career. So I've seen behind closed doors how tough, how durable, how relentless he can be when he, mm-hmm. when he gets in a role. Once you start connecting on Joe clean, it's almost as though it wakes him up. Mm-hmm. And it starts, the, the more you hit him, the more he gets that fighting the, the Hulk. It just keeps coming and coming. <laughs> he's, honestly, he's a, they call it, he's, a, he's a freight train. He really is a juggernaut. Uh, that mm-hmm. nickname he's got is it's not just because it sounds clever. No, he's just a juggernaut. He just keeps moving forward. Does that work against someone like Dubois who punches that hard? Mm-hmm. We don't know. I'm not sure. I think for Joe to win, he needs to have a great game plan. He needs to not absorb everything that Dubois throws early. He needs to negate at least 50% of the right hands to the head because Dubois really does punch hard. And Joe Joyce's chin is rock solid, but Mm -hmm. everybody's got a rock solid chin until they get knocked out. I thought I had a rock solid chin when I was 18 and then I got knocked out and then I realized (laughs) in actual fact it wasn't. But it was only until that happened do you right. know, no, no one's really, no one's flattened Joe before. So don't push your luck with the punches to the head. Just don't push your luck. So he's got a, he's got a good coach in there, Ishmael Salas, working closely with Steve Broughton, who's been on the, the on the journey with him. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe Joyce has been, he worked with Ishmael Salas in the beginning of his career. He then went out to work with Abel Sanchez in Big Bear, California. You've been up there to the mountains, mm-hmm. what he was doing. He then came back to the UK, worked with Adam Booth, for I think, a couple of fights, then he went back to Steve Broughton. Then he's now he's gone back to um, uh, Ishmael Salas. So he's been all right. So he hasn't really had much consistency in his corner. Different faces, different instructions, different mindsets, different ethoses about boxing. You know, Abel Sanchez is boxing um, uh, brain is very different to Ishmael Salas. Two very very elite trainers both with two different mindsets, two different skill sets, train their boxers to do very different things. So it could be a, a blessing, it could be a curse. I right. prefer the Daniel Dubois, Peacock, consistent, gradually improving with the same coach, same mm-hmm. people in there, same sit set up. So he's gradually been able to improve where Joyce has kind of been up and down, training this guy, trying this style, trying this pad man, trying this guy in the corner, this cut man, this it's, it's been a bit bit jumbled, a bit all over mm-hmm. the place. But he has the amateur pedigree to fall back on. So he, he knows what happens when the bell rings. But it's it's a really intriguing fight. And Joe Joyce has the ability, I believe, to maybe absorb the early onslaught or to avoid the early onslaught and push from round seven, really push down the mm-hmm. down the stretch to really try and bring Daniel Dubois in a position he's never been into before. And that's that really blood and guts. You know, I, I believe in uh, Joe Joyce has had more wars in sparring than Dubois has had in real fights. Mm. I've I've seen it. He just takes so many shots. One of the things I found interesting was um, Solomon Dacris has served as both a sparring partner to both Joyce and Dubois. Is it a bit risky to have someone so close within camp jumping from one into the other? I, I wouldn't like that. And what, who's he working with now? Which, which camp is he in now? Well, he's, he's been working with both. 
Well, still what? Well, it went from, from my understanding is it went from Dubois to Joyce to back to Dubois. And then Dubois was asked about that. Like, you know, did you find it odd that he was going, you know, he went to Joyce's camp after yours. And, you know, he said he's going to do what he's got to do. So <laughs> I'm just... Maybe, maybe they could have sent him there as a, scout, as a scouting mission to see what's going on in Joyce's camp. Well, it's okay. interesting because Solomon is now signed to SGM Boxing. Uh, that could have been a, could have been a bit of art of war, um, Sun Tzu mindset, where you send a, send someone behind battle lines to see what they're doing to get a little a once over. I, I, risky. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's risky to bring someone in. I personally wouldn't like to bring. I wouldn't bring anybody who's been working with my opponent into my camp. Mm -hmm. I would. I wouldn't feel comfortable showing them the game plan, talking because you do. Even sparring partners, they're in a the gym where you train. They can hear conversations. They can mm -hmm. see on their sparring. They know what you're going to do. So I think it was a very risky strategy. Yeah, um, I agree. Really risky strategy to bring it to bring um, Solomon in there. Daniel Dubois predicted in his in his exact words, he said, "A knockout, a devastating finish." Do you see that this fight goes the distance? I think it. I think there's more chance of it stopping early than going the distance. I definitely feel. Both of their attributes, you got Joe Joyce just keeps punching, keeps fighting. Wow, crisp, clean, knockout, single punches. The left hook to the body is beautiful as well. Mm -hmm. I, I think someone's always going to go, and it's going to go. It's going to go. I don't know. It's either going to go early for the Bois, or it's going to be a late onslaught, a late grind for Joe Joyce, yeah. really dragging the young twenty-three-year-old into that heavyweight waters right. and um it, all, it also depends on how many miles are now on the clock of mm -hmm. Joe as some of the rounds he used to spar a heavy rounds so the, he was taking some real concussive punches right down the middle i was talking to um tyson fury's um father on uh, a few days ago and he was saying when 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 tyson was throwing that shot down the pipe that, that right hand down the pipe and Joe Joyce was just eating it. He said, he's never seen anybody, uh, John Fury had never seen anybody absorb as many clean, concussive, knockout punches. Mm. As Joe. He said he's never seen anything like it. And he just he takes it and he just comes back. And he mm. said, and he's seen, he's a fighting man. He's seen, he's seen a, lot of, a lot of sparring partners, a lot of champions over the years. And for him to say he's never seen someone who's been able to absorb the amount of abuse the amount of uh, head trauma that Joe Joyce is in. That, that is a, that's a massive plus, but it could be a massive, uh, uh, it could be a real bad thing if the person hitting you is, is concussive with them 10 ounce gloves on. You can open up cuts, it could you know, mm -hmm. take a beef out, and you can be you have the, you have the biggest, you can have the best punch resistance in the world, but you can't really rely on that. And Joe, Joe's had to rely on it in the past. Mm -hmm. I've watched him rely on it. I've watched him know someone's, I've seen people really nailing him right down the middle, bang, bang, bang. And I've seen him taking it. And I know he's thinking, you're not going to be able to keep this pace going. And <laughs> right. And they get tired of punching him in the head. And what does he do then? He goes, okay, my turn. How'd you like <laughs> it? Bang, 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 that's it. I've watched him do it so many times. Yeah. But I've also watched him for, uh, you don't really want to be getting eaten those right. It's a bad habit to take those right hands down the pipe with a big, 
18, 20 ounce gloves on, it's okay, but 10 ounce gloves, that's all knuckle going through your chin and like, I admired that type of punch resistance, but it's a tough, it's a tough thing to rely on right. as you get, as you get, as you start going up in the levels and at mm -hmm. domestic level, Commonwealth, maybe even European level, you can get away with that fringe world level. But when you start fighting world-class punchers who can knock you out with one punch, mm -hmm. it, it changes the whole, it changes the whole mm -hmm. dynamic. So Joe Joyce can't rely on just his punch resistance for this fight. You can't, mm -hmm. you can't expect Dubois to punch himself out on his face. It's a crazy tactic. It's that Homer Simpson tactic. <laughs> it, it's mad. It's madness. So I'm, I'm sure Ishmael Salas is an expert at defensive um, game plans and right. he'll making sure Joe Joyce, you know, isn't eating right hands like he did in his last fight against Wallish. He was just eating right hands in that fight. You know, I commentated on it for mm -hmm. BT Sport. I was really disappointed the fact that there was a fragrant disregard for any type of defense. He was like, he was like I don't need it. I'm just going to walk forward and punch this guy in the face. Didn't like, didn't like seeing that because I know Joe is significantly better than that. Mm -hmm. So I'm really hoping, you know, his corner have got a hold of him now and said, right, Joe, we know you've got a good chin. Let's not rely on it. Let's, mm -hmm. let's, have, the, let's have your chin as the backup. That's the plan C. <laughs> plan C, plan D is just, okay, just take what you can do and just you punch your... Yeah. That's like a last, let's try and move them feet. Let's get that jab going. Let's work Dubois' body. Let's see what he's got and let's set some traps for him. This is what I'm hoping Joe's going to do because if he does that, the fight can the fight will be significantly. <laughs> it, it could be really interesting. But mm. worst worst ways, Joe just does what he always does, and we've got ourselves just an all-out brawl. I like a bit of boxing. I love a slick shot. I like a slip and a counter. I love the. But occasionally, I like to get my popcorn out and watch. <laughs> The living daylights of each other. That Gatti Ward stuff, you know. I'm not. We only it. want a war. That's all we want. No, I, as much as as much as I here's the thing. As much as I appreciated Gatti Ward, I appreciate Mayweather Gatti right. in a very different way. You had one person yeah. in supreme excellent boxing ability, and then you got the two mm -hmm. uh, slugging it. So I appreciate them both in their own special way. So. um I'm hoping, I'm really, I'm really hoping, um, either way, with the fans are going to win. Either way, the fans are going to win. The fans, unfortunately, can't be their ringside, but you can tune on BT um, uh, and watch it. You know, it's, right. not on, it's, not, it's not on box office. You can just tune and watch it, which is nice. It's nice to have such a high-profile fight for free. Just if you've got BT, box, BT Sport, you can watch it, which is nice. Um, Daniel Dubois, as you know, is currently ranked number two with the WBO and sort of depending on what happens with Joshua and Usyk, there seems to be a chance that the fight could happen between the two um, if all goes well on fight night. Uh, how do you see that going? It solely depends on what Joe Joyce's uh, result is on the, on the 28th. Um, if Dubois goes out there and blasts Joe Joyce out of the water, just literally takes him out in two or three rounds in style, I'd say he'd do the same thing to, to Usyk. Mm -hmm. If he can get Joe Joyce out of there in any way, shape or form, I think he, he's just too big and too strong for Usyk. That's how I'd see it. Um, if, uh, I don't know, if, if Joe Joyce wins the fight, 
Um, I assume he'll take that position. And uh, Frank will want to really push for Joe Joyce to get that same shot at um, Yusik, who's number one. And there's talk right. of WBO, or there's just talk of, jo of uh, Anthony Joshua relinquishing potentially that belt or fighting a final eliminator with the number one and number two. So it's interesting. I, 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 I just don't understand how um, anyone could be looking past either one of these because Dubois is the favourite, but on paper, I think Joyce is clearly the favourite mm -hmm. on paper. But people look at the hype, people look at the showroom knockouts, people look at the, 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 they look at the media. But right. just look at their records, amateur and professional, and Joe Joyce on paper is better. Right. But that one right hand from Dubois, who's a lot more inexperienced in terms of amateur pedigree, he's had more pro fights, but the caliber he's fought as a pro hasn't been as good as, jo as Joyce. Mm -hmm. So he's the, he's the, I think there are more question marks surrounding Dubois, but question marks I'm so excited to find out the answer to because Joe Joyce will 100% ask all of the questions we're unsure about with Dubois. Joe Joyce is going to ask those questions and ask them in a real aggressive way. And we're going to, we're going to get a, we're going to get an absolute, uh, people are going to get their money's worth. You know, they're going to get their money's worth. So whatever the tactics of either guy, if one tries to box, one, it's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. They're just two big men who love to fight and love to let lever, let lever fly. And we, we've got ourselves, we've got ourselves some serious, serious action. A barn um, burner. <laughs> a barn burner is going to be exciting. Well, thank you for your time, David. Um, obviously, people need to know that that same night, we got the highly anticipated return of Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr., which will also be available on BT Sports Box Office. So um, a definitely a night to be looking forward to, November the 28th. Thank you again for your time. I appreciate it as always, and um, we'll, we'll catch up soon. Hey, Fight Fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, make sure you do so by clicking this icon right here, or else.